This episode of the Second Floor Podcast is brought to you by Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. All right, welcome everybody to uh, today's very special episode on Second Floor Podcast. Uh, who I have with me today is someone uh, that's very near and dear to me. It's actually uh, my very own cousin, Mithi Randawa, who's in the house. Uh, so Mithi and I, you know, she's known me all my life. She actually uh, currently works as a registered psych- psychiatric nurse. And uh, a lot of what we're going to be talking about today, Mithi, as you know, is we're going to be sharing our um, experience, specifically yours associated with mental health. Uh, how Mithi has been able to, you know, overcome a lot of, um, you know, situations in her life that have uh, allowed her to feel like she can help others who um, are institutionalized, who are, you know, put in a position where um, they actually um, have gone pretty much so far off the cliff in their life that they they need they need help and they need to be monitored 24-7. So uh, it's going to be really neat to have, uh, you know, Mithi enlighten us on what her role looks like, what she does, how she empowers those um, to, to be better versions of themselves, even when, um, you know, sometimes it is beyond their control at that point. But, um, either way, I'm excited to bring, uh, another family member yes. in the mix, right? We've had KB on a couple of times. We've had Skunder. Now it's Mithi's turn. So <laughs> welcome aboard, Mithi. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I want to, uh, take the time for everyone to hear from your words, you know, who you are, what you do and, uh, why you do it. Uh, so I'll start off by introducing myself. I'm Mithi. Um, so yes, I am a registered psychiatric nurse. Um, I have actually worked in the mental health field since 2008. Mm. I started off as an admin uh, in Vancouver, and I kind of worked my way up into my role as a registered psychiatric nurse. The cool part with it for me was um, I was actually, I went from being a straight A student, you know, I did the IB program and all the things, dropped out decided to go through my life experiences, um, which I feel like really do help me to this day in my practice with the individuals that I do work with. But yeah, I went to school. Um, I started with my diploma. I worked up to my degree and now I'm actually working on my master's um, to become uh, a psychologist. So I'm excited for what the future does hold for me. Um, forensic psychiatry has always been my passion. I also work in uh, Psych Emerge. Um, so I love the acute element of psychiatry and just kind of having the ability to meet people at where they are most, I would use the term broken at this point or at their lowest and having the ability to let them know that help and support is there and I'm able to help you get through this, knowing that you should not be ashamed of what you feel like right now, dealing with stigmas that we deal with and just really having the opportunity to build that sense of resiliency and know that, you know what, I'm meeting you with where you're at and let's take it from here mm-hmm. in its rawest form. Yeah. Wow. That's, um, it's nice knowing that there's still people in this world that want to help people at that rock bottom, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, what, what would be something that, um, you would say is, you know, like when people hear that there's nurses or anyone in the health field that are helping, um, those in this situation, what what are some of the things within your role that one wouldn't even anticipate is involved in the care of uh, those you're helping? Psychiatry, unfortunately, has many realms within it. Um, for me, it has been a lot of medication management. It has been a lot of navigating and figuring out in terms of diagnosis, things that are going on. I've dealt with many high profile cases in terms of that. 
I also, once again, meet someone at their break and they have reached that point where, unfortunately, I work with a lot of murderers. <laughs> mm. um, I uh, just, I could go on and on. But um, one thing I do always say is we are all one decision away from being where I, anyone could be at with the individuals that I meet with. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. That's a very, like, yeah. uh, actually... I don't know what other word I could say, daunting way to put it when you realize that there's perhaps some people that might might have made a decision off of impulse. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're dealing with people who've murdered others, I'm not saying that that's okay, but perhaps Mm -hmm. whatever they've seen or why they did it is, is there any ones that you find from your own opinion are justifiable enough to be like, oh, okay, I could see why you did that, but you didn't need to take it all away to the extent of killing this person. That's a tough one because many names do run through my head at this point. Because yeah. um, I know that's that's tough, yeah, right? That There's... is an extremely tough one. For me, I honestly, one thing I will say is I, it is not my job to sit here and judge you. This is where we're at. And are you willing to meet me here and now to kind of come back from this, work on what may have happened if we need to, and how do we, in essence, help what you may have gone through that led to this point so that when you do leave from here, you have the ability to create a whole new life and move forward from it because the support was not there for you on the outside. And I do apologize to them sometimes because at the end of the day, and we are products of our environment. We are, for example, even us first generation children, like we model what we know. We survive in the way that we know. We thrive in the way that we know. We follow what we know because that is our normal. Who am I to judge that? Who am I to say, no, this is the way that it needs to be? No, you tell me with what you're feeling, what you're feeling, what you want to work on, and we will move forward from there. Mm. What is it that you want to get out of the work that I do with you here and right now? It's worked for me. I've had people that have told me that I can't do anything for them. I have heard probably every name in the book. Um, And shortly, minutes later, even just sitting there in silence, it's amazing the things that I do hear and come out. Wow, yeah. Especially in circumstantial cases. What are what are some of the things that you've heard that really stick out to you in those moments? Because I like I like how you are coming from a place of getting them to um, describe to you what assistance looks like. I think that's huge because a lot of times in our expertise, in, in health is we feel like we're just going to start off by already letting the person know what um, they're showing up for and, and what we're going to do to help them. But that's a very, um, uh, you could say, customized approach in mm-hmm. coaching someone out of uh, whatever they're grieving through, right? It's, it's a yeah. very standard protocol we follow as personal trainers too. First mm-hmm. thing we ask is how can we support you today? Like what can we show you? What can we tell you? Yeah. Right. It sounds like you do the same thing, which is pretty exciting. I have very much followed that. There was what my textbooks taught me and there's what I've learned at this point is I have very much become a on the fly person. I've stopped actually booking time slots. Uh, so it's kind of, this is, this is where I'm gonna, this is the day I will meet you and let's just go with where it takes us. And I feel like even taking that sense of pressure off of, I have 60 minutes and I have to tell all these things and I have to, I have to heal right here, right now. I only have this much time. I have never put that pressure on anyone in my therapy practice. I feel like it helps a lot. Um, I also, in some aspect without disclosing sense of self, the women are able to pick up cues from me in terms of what I give them for feedback to even know, wow, you actually know what I'm saying. Like you, you said the word and you 
you gave me the emotion, you gave me the feedback, the response, the facial expression, anything that would help them to know that, hey, like I really know where you're coming from. And it's amazing the rapport that you can build in that process just by saying the right things. Um, Therapy is not a scripted process. And I think that sometimes we lose sight of that as well as we should really just focus on and to each their own is this is what I have in front of me right now. This may not be what happens tomorrow. This individual could leave my room right now. I take them once again where they're at with me in that space and I work with it. I, I don't I don't believe in scripted therapy. Yeah. So I agree. I yeah. I don't believe in scripted podcasts too. So no. I feel like I can we just to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you gotta go with the flow. That makes yeah. sense. That's uh it's really unique the part you made, uh the point you made, sorry, Mithi, about like spontaneity to a degree where not everything needs to be a booked meeting. No. Right? That's I find uh takes the pressure off, right? You mm-hmm. kind of just spontaneously meet someone where they're currently at and um you have a conversation with them. Um, without the formality aspect of it, right? Mm-hmm. That's um, that's very important. Um, what would be uh, you could say something that you could mention about, let's say, where you feel like you've been able to take someone from the beginning of your therapy process to like actually being able to describe changes someone went through um that were perhaps ground shaking for them or you and uh what ultimately made you realize that you're doing what you're doing um for all the right reasons once again many come to mind i'm I'm currently in the max so a lot of the women that i deal with are very resistant to therapy to even begin understanding their environment and being vulnerable is an issue once again that I do reciprocate and understand. And I always tell them that I'm like, I know that where I'm sitting right now with you in the way that this room is set up right now that you cannot be vulnerable with me, but just know that with your words alone that I can carry what we need to move forward. Um, All of my individuals that I have worked with, I see resiliency in them in all aspects. Um, I can't just finger point one. I have individuals that are dealing with grief and loss for the first time sober. I have individuals that are in shock with what they've done. I have individuals that are finally understanding their diagnosis or being diagnosed for the first time or finally getting medication for the first time, understanding or having the platform to even have a space to be like, this is how I feel. And you're actually listening to me for the first time. It's very different. All of them are different. Um, and I, there's a lot of firsts with what I deal with, I think. Yeah, there's a, something to say about when someone gets diagnosed with something mm-hmm. um, at any point in their life. I find later into adulthood when this happens to somebody, um, I, I feel like there's, there's a sense of mixed um, maybe ways of going about this, right? But um, some people end up feeling like a relief. Some feel a sense of, you could say, um, why didn't I get diagnosed earlier? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and I'm, I'm giving you an example of like ADHD, for instance. Yep, this is something common. that me and some of my, um, staff really, uh, connect on is there's a few of us that have recently been diagnosed mm-hmm. and, uh, we all have just very different ways of how we handled it and went about it. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, someone close to me mentioned that they just wish that they, knew this younger so they had an idea of how to let's say properly mm-hmm. study or yeah. how to properly navigate uh, the anxiety they would feel sometimes and wanting to get um their word out yeah right so it's just unique because it seemed like even in your case where like 
you mentioned someone gets diagnosed with something mm -hmm. and how like they're kind of just like oh okay so this is uh, this is a thing and it's is, called something real. and you know it could be perhaps maybe fixed or monitored to some degree um but it's sad to see that like you said earlier there's just some people in circumstances that that's the that's the card they got dealt with in life so they they never knew because of the environment that they were in a lot of it once again is tough because we deal with individuals that come from reserves and the ability to have that outreach and care is not there the unfortunate part within canadian society is even the wait times to see a specialist especially for children right now they're looking at up to two years for adhd there's a lot of barriers that come into play and unfortunately what a lot of parents i've seen even turn to in terms of the hospital is turning to things like tiktok or instagram or what google told me so i think it's this um understanding that these diagnoses are very real understanding that yes they absolutely impact our life um but also i feel like as society we can work a little bit harder in terms of working through that stigma like bell talk day is amazing i appreciate it to its fullest degree and for what it does but creating more platforms and awareness and campaigns and outreach um especially to remote areas they really need they really need the support right now um, one cool actually uh, agency that I did hear about, I was actually going to go donate some food one day and I looked over and Seeks for Humanity stood out to me. I did not know this existed. Mm. And I was genuinely very proud uh, because just seeing individuals within my own community, because we do face, once again, a lot of stigma. Mental health in essence does not exist in Indian culture. It's mm -hmm. It could be deemed as black magic. It could be deemed as just evil eyes. It could, it, we don't talk about it. We don't talk about our emotions. It's not real. It doesn't exist. Imagine how many other cultures face this. Mm -hmm. So it really does open my eyes up on a lot of different levels in terms of that. And just being mindful, like even with what I'm saying to individuals, sometimes I really have to simplify what I'm saying because once again, I'm meeting you where you're at. So it's not my job to throw out textbook definitions at you to make you not want to come back at me even more. I want to create that safe space in whichever way I have to. Sometimes it's as simple as I'm going to sit here and color with you. And it is amazing the things that I hear just through that. Yeah. Wow. Let, yeah. let, let that be the medium of exchange yeah. of, uh, yeah. let's just say them opening up. Yeah. So you have to do something that maybe it's drawing or walking or, or maybe it's doing some sort of activity to, to bridge the gap. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. The, uh, the thing is, it's a good transition into what I'm actually curious about, Mithi, from your perspective is, you know, a lot of this can perhaps be stemmed from generational trauma, right? Yep. Or or perhaps a trauma that's been induced from parents, whether mm -hmm. it's advertent or inadvertent, right? Um, we tend to always, I find, as humans look back and, and go, okay, how would I have wished my parents went about XYZ problem I had growing up with, Right. What would I have wished they said? What would I wish they didn't say? What would I have wished they've done? What would I wish they didn't do, right? I'm just wondering from your take on this when it comes to, let's say, any level of anxiety coming into play or any issue that's been risen for your child. Let's just let's just take this into a parent's perspective. If we have any parent listening to this who, yes, they have the TikTok, they have the Google, they have everything they're searching, they have their friends and everything is being told to them in so many different ways, mm -hmm. right? And that's a whole other topic about how to uh, extract misinformation from what yeah. you're researching. But what I'm asking is, what would you tell a parent that's 
trying their absolute best to ask or do things to get their child to um, open up to them, but also just to find a way to help their children um, cope through something that just shouldn't have happened to them, right? Maybe it's bullying, bullying. maybe it's some level of harassment, maybe it's um, anything where you're like, oh shit, like this is obviously going to affect my kid Yeah. Um, and it's going to, I just want to be there for them and I yeah. just want to show or tell them how I can. What would be your take on that? I think as our generation to even start off with, um, once again, intergenerational trauma is something we speak a lot about is mimicking and modeling what we know because that is our normal. Some of us have not had the opportunities to branch out and navigate ourselves and explore ourselves and understand even within ourselves, like what are my coping skills outside of what I know? What are my abilities to adapt outside of what I know? What are my abilities of patience outside of what I know? I do, as I was told, I did the best that I could because this is in essence the cookie cutter mold that I was supposed to be or perform to be because that is what a proud parent wants to see and that is what normal is. So now let's take into we are now raising our children. I have nieces as well. Our next generation has already begun and just... Even the concept of like telling my niece I loved her was for the first time. I was like, oh my God, like <laughs> I am not an affectionate person. This feels really weird. And this yeah. kid's just looking at me like, oh, you know, this is great. But I am doing what as a first generation kid, once again, in Canada, this is what we do. We hug and we tell people we love them. It's awkward learning how to do it. I will admit to it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's new to you, right? My ability of showing my niece I care is giving her a cookie. Yeah. Like, you know, we do it through action versus words. So exactly. even as you mentioned bullying, like, for example, we have seen some extreme, extreme headlines of what has gone on in high school. And it's harder now because social media is a huge element in terms of the ability to light a fire for it to expand a million times forward. I luckily when I went to high school, MSN just came out and that was the extent of it. So cool. Your name has my name on it and you're saying all the things. That is fine. You whispered in someone's ear. That is fine. Now you can take pictures and post things and spread them and make TikToks. And once again, all these things and webs, there's, the list can only go on fake profiles. So my heart genuinely breaks when I hear about children at younger ages speaking of suicide. I hear 12-year-olds, like how, because at my age, once again, I'm very lucky that maybe I didn't understand or think that far, but it's happening now and this is very real. So for parents, my biggest thing is, um, is really establishing that relationship with your child and letting them know that it is safe to come and talk to me. You will not get punished for expressing your feelings. It is okay to feel sad. It is, anxiety is a real thing. Depression is a real thing. Mental illness is a real thing. ADHD, a very real thing. So once again, is just being that support system, but once don't be that helicopter parent either. You have to allow them to navigate within themselves. And, you know, like you're going to see the highs and lows within each thing, um, ADHD, for example, I feel like I should medicate my child, but oh no, they're crashing. I don't know what to do. They're crying. What do I do from here? And having even that parent uh, support system in place, there's a lot of groups out there. There's a lot of, once again, information online in a positive way, but really 
having the platforms in place to allow yourself and your child to know that this is in essence normal and it's okay and you're allowed to feel these things. You should never feel ashamed of what you are going through and I want you to know that it is okay to come to me. So whether that be within writing, whether that be verbally, whether that be through action, whichever way it is that it takes you to allow yourself to let me know that you need my help, be there for them in whichever way it is that they need. Yeah. That's a very, very fair point, right? Uh, I find when I hear you mention it that way, it it brings me, um, it almost brings me back to like what Rocky Balboa says to his son in uh, one of his movies where he's like, listen, you know, like life's not all sunshine and rainbows, right? Like when life hits you, you know, you got to get back up and you got to hit life harder than how it hit you, right? And I find that that relates to the sense of a parent just acknowledging that they can go to their kid and say, listen, like you, something's going to happen to you, mm-hmm. right? And and I'm going to make sure I protect you in your life as much as I can. But if yeah. anything happens, I hope you can share that with me. Yeah. And establishing that level of trust with your ch- child to the point where they feel open enough and not scared to share something with you based off of certain words or certain things that, um, let's just say, exist within um, your your household exist meaning like these are just things we believe in and i'll give you an example right like mm-hmm. growing up in our household um there were words that we didn't uh, say we believed in our parents were like oh we don't believe in stress we don't believe mm-hmm. in you know like um we, we just didn't believe in that and then, stress yeah and i remember being like okay well stress is a real thing it yeah. exists <laughs> right can't be all it can't always be sunshine and rainbows <laughs> yeah. right but of course you know like our, our family we worked through that over the years and we, we recognize that, okay, like if we keep ignoring that that doesn't exist and we don't talk about it, yeah. okay, well now us as kids, if we ever experience it, we don't want to, sh- we don't want to open up about it. We push it away. Right. And that's why it's actually unique how like mm-hmm. generationally there's different ways of handling anxiety, right? Uh, our parents' generation is, okay, they'll be quiet and they'll, they'll resort to alcohol, right? That's, that's, that's how they're that, coping that with their anxiety, coping mechanism. right? But then now in the next generation, there's, again, there's different ways of coping with it, whether yeah. it's unhealthy or not, right? It's going to deflect out in its own way. Yeah. yeah. This episode of the Second Floor Podcast is brought to you by the Edmonton Community Foundation. The foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to create a strong, vibrant community for generations to come. You can start an endowment fund with yourself or with a group. Once it reaches $10,000, it can start distributing funds. Vital Signs is an annual checkup conducted by Edmonton Community Foundation in partnership with Edmonton Social Planning Council to measure how the community is doing. This year's focus is on making ends meet in Edmonton. Learn more at ecfoundation.org. I, um, I'm curious to know from, let's say, you know, like you've gone through things in your life too, yep. how much your own personal trauma has actually, if it hasn't happened, you wouldn't be who you are today. And I think I, that's something to, to really yeah. like just disclose and mention where, you know, there's things that go through our life, good and bad, but based off who you are now and all the things that you're building towards and, you know, what you're doing and what you're an advocate for, Mithi, I'm just wondering Mm -hmm. uh, how that's shaped you. I am now in hindsight for where I am today. I myself 
am a true believer in therapy. I have gone through it. I have done, I have seen, I have gone through medication myself. I have seen a psychologist. I have done EMDR. I believe in the power and the work that it does for an individual. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I have experienced, I have gone through all the abuses. I tried drugs and alcohol. I did all the running away that I was supposed to. I dropped out of high school. I, I was I was a model child. And it, finally at 17, starting to understand that things that I had experienced and gone through were not okay through my Canadian school system as a first generation Indian child. You can only imagine what that feels like. Like, oh, I'm, oh, my teacher is teaching me this. And oh, that was not okay. Oh, well, oh. So we were part of that age group where we didn't learn about things till later. Now it's normal. Now you go to elementary and they're learning all the things. But that, when I even went to school, we didn't talk about things. Mm. So yeah, when it finally hit me, I even in, and once again, I retaliated in every single which way or form. I, like I said, I dropped out of high school. I was a bad kid. I experimented with all the things. I moved. I traveled. I self-destruct. I do. I catastrophize still to this day. But I've grown to the ability of recognizing that this is what I'm doing. I need to stop myself. And I know that I have the tools and resources to work through it. I will get there. But it takes time. And something we even at work talk about is we are all mental health professionals. But even within ourselves and our personal lives, knowing that we have every answer to every mental health thing in the world, we are human beings. We are going to go through these things. And we, in some way, yes, we know how to navigate through it, but we're going, it's going to take us time just like it takes everyone else time. Um, I am, I can keep going with this. I, yeah, like I am very lucky with even who I am with right now. I, I was very much a party girl. I lived, as people will say, my best life. Um, Yeah, yeah, I've been everywhere in the world. Um, Do I regret my experiences? In some aspect, yes. In some aspect, no, because I'm grateful that it has shaped my practice and my ability to take either allowing what I went through to destroy me or I take this, I heal from it, and I help someone that's gone through it or is going through it and let them know that, you know what, I hear you. But here is proof here right now across from you that you can come back from this. Mm -hmm. And I think the women resonate from that as well as like, they'll see the tattoos on my fingers or like, oh, you're an Indian girl. You have tattoos. Like, what is this? It's weird. And you have piercings. Like, yeah, I was a badass and I am, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and I am, I am not ashamed. I was always one decision sitting away from where you are right now. Mm. And I am not here to judge you. It's not my job. I am here to prove to you that even though bad stuff happens, guess what? You can be where I'm at right now. Even if the doors close on you in terms of even school, there's programs now and supports out there that allow you to work your way up. Here is a high school dropout sitting in front of you right now and it's working on her master's. That to me, I never believed in a million years that would happen. Next steps, doctorate. If I can attain that, even more proof. But I have a life story that allows me to add to my outreach in a good way, I feel like, because I can say like, I went through all these things and I didn't allow it to destroy me. And I was lucky because I had friends and I was able to seek support and have all the things that I needed to go through to hit that rock bottom to understand how to build myself up. Yeah. That was very well worded. Yeah. It's, uh, 
there's a lot of relatability there for for someone who you sit across the table from mm-hmm. and it's almost like you know going back to how you answer that question is because you've gone through it all mm-hmm. you know like someone is more likely to respect someone who's gone through it but now i love how you said that you're you're now over it or you're continuously working towards getting over that you're not yeah. letting uh any circumstances that have been bestowed upon you define who you are as a person there's yeah. there's a there's a degree of separation there right there's a lot of elements and triggers within it and i god bless my current uh person other shout out to ennis um that gets it like he has seen my rock bottom he's been there and to know that like you know what i get where it's coming from and uh having that safe space and patience to give me that i need to work through my what i will call my madness it is still there but once again i have the ability now to catch it faster and still navigate my way through it do you think for you this is probably different for everyone but let's say the madness that is upon someone um, and let's say the damage that they perhaps are inflicting upon themselves and others around them, is that a sense of self-sabotage due to how um, perhaps you've you felt through the accumulation of things you've gone through to the point where you're like, this has all happened to me. So I how I've been treated is how I deserve to treat others and, and, and other people have to go down with me. Or is it more so perhaps uh, anything else in nature around like, I am, I'm putting this madness on earth now and I know I am, but it's because, oh, I just, it's because I hate myself or it's because I hate what's been done to me and how is that fair? So other people need to know what that feels like. Like, I'm just wondering if you will very much see this. There's a lot of elements within trauma bonding that we do see and speak of. It's one that I work very heavily on. You'll see emotional addiction patterns, for example, um, addicted to chaos. We don't know. I don't want to use the word don't know. It is uncomfortable for us to sit in a sense of stillness and peace and things are going in a straight line. But this isn't normal. I don't deserve this. This is not okay. Let me just throw in a Pokemon ball because this is what I'm used to. I need the chaos. I need the ability for things to break. So I rebuild them to distract myself from other things that might be going on. Mm. You'll see a lot of that. You'll see a lot of people perhaps immerse themselves in their work lives. Like I'm going to stay busy so I don't have to think about this. We numb ourselves. We dissociate ourselves. We turn to drugs and alcohol. We catastrophize. We... um we will in essence break down a relationship that could be the greatest thing in the world for us, but we will break it down because we think that it is, everyone's going to hurt me anyways. And that's what it is. You know, everything, everyone gets put into the term. Everyone gets put into one bubble because I've always been hurt and it's always going to be this way. And everyone is bad and it's not me, but, or maybe it is me. I'm bad. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I don't deserve this. A lot of things that you'll hear. It's crazy how it even comes down to, because you worded that brilliantly, Mithi, where it's like, sometimes when life is going so well, and it's going well for too long, and you can't help but wonder, no, okay, I got, I got, I, I need to throw a wedge into this and make yeah. it worse, because I'm so used to things not being this good. Mm-hmm. That's, that's very accurate. It's scary when that can happen sometimes in relationships, and, and one is perhaps aware of this happening and one isn't and 
that's where like they like to say they're they're either toxic relationships or um there's there's someone it's a very very voodoo way of putting it but you're like under one spell Mm -hmm. right like you're so in love with this one person but you're not even realizing what they're what they're doing or what they're their intentions could be through this process based off of them still healing from what they've gone through in their life. Yeah. Right. Even me with my divorce, I remember clearly saying to my mom because of the experience within it and being in my young, I was 21. Like I didn't know anything and being like, well, this is what I'm supposed to do because this is how it is. First generation kids. Once again, everyone in my age group, 18 to 21, we were getting married off. It was normal. So, uh, I remember sitting down on the floor and I told myself, can I do this for like another 80 years? And I was like, I remember calling my mom and just being like, I have followed in your footsteps and I don't like this. And it really didn't hit me until that point happened and that conversation happened, even though it was not understood and reciprocated because divorce in our culture is taboo. We don't do that. Uh, let's just have a baby and it'll be okay (laughs) mentality (laughs) because that fixes everything. Not good. (laughs) um, Yeah, no, I am very grateful that I, I don't know how I did it. I had the strength to just be like, this is not normal. This is not okay. I am living once again, a modeled pattern behavior lifestyle of what my normal is and what I know. And this is okay. And this is the way it's supposed to be and coming out of it. And being here today to talk about it. Well, yeah, I'm really glad you're willing to bring that up because uh, sometimes a lot of people will accept whatever is happening to them and go, you know what, we'll weather out this storm, we'll weather out the storm. But I feel like especially as a female, you do, you have to be able to put your foot down mm-hmm. and be like, this is not okay. And in fact, there, there shouldn't even be a second chance. Hope is a powerful thing that holds us in. Hope? Hope. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it is. Yeah. We just... Hope and pray upon something and then you're ensuring that, oh, I don't want to, maybe it will work out better because then my family's reputation is in line and all that, right? Mm -hmm. It's just all these unnecessary pressures that get put on. Yeah. It's terrible. It's our ability and our abilities to rationalize even what we know is not okay is a strength within its own capacity, I would say. Yeah. I I was talking with even KB about this the other day where it's like, okay, reputation right like you know when they say oh like what would family think or what like what 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 is this or that it's like well reputation in fact Mm -hmm. is how how visible is reputation yeah you know it's like it's something that we all i find in society not just first generation canadians not just indian families but we all put value into the stock of our reputations yeah i'm guilty of it right i think every single person is so aware no matter where they're going in life, what they're building towards, they're like, what's my reputation looking like in this? It's important, yes, to have a good reputation in society. But I find that, again, it's like, what is reputation to somebody? Because it's so much of what others think about you. Um, but then it's like, if we just switch that around, well, what do you think about yourself? Yeah. And then we start to, I think... Uh, if I could put this in a word, chameleize, mm-hmm. right? We we turn into a chameleon. We we turn into someone in which we're not. Yeah. And that's just for the sake of reputation. Yeah. Right? How I talk to this person, how they're going to like me, how they're going to accept me, okay, is based off of how I need to show up. It's Absolutely. like, well, it just takes us a step away from who we truly need to be, right? And this is triggered from the conversation we had about relationships because we've worked so hard on trying to be um, – someone someone else likes right and uh, it's funny like in the whole um like i choose not to ask this anymore is the 
what do you look for in someone? Yeah. Right. Well, what do you look for in a guy? Or like, and because then it's like, okay, now that I know that, I'm gonna be that. Exactly. And it's like, you know, exactly. as you're getting to know someone, as you're talking to yeah. someone, continue date by date, or each yeah. time you see them, okay, they are what I look for. Because something I loved, I talked about this with Jesse. Mm-hmm. And for those listening, this is Mithi's sister, our other cousin. Yeah. Is uh, there was a time when she was in her relationship, uh, who she's married with, and uh, when I was in my early twenties. And I couldn't help but like have these conversations with her where I go to her and be like, yeah, like, you know, like be like, how are things going and getting to know who you're with? Cause we were both in our getting to know stage yeah. at the time with who we were both with. And she's like, Kenny, I'm just learning that at my stage in life, him and I just have to accept each other for who we are. And she's like, where you're at, you're more so at a stage where uh, both of you can kind of like learn to grow with each other. But I'm noticing, I don't know your opinion on this, where like mm-hmm. the older people get, there's just, you can't be with this person for their potential or for yeah. uh, who you're trying to make them be. You're just like, okay, this is who they are. Values align. Uh, there's things I'm going to like. There's perhaps things maybe I won't yeah. like, but I have to accept that instead of, okay, I'm going to change this and this and this and yeah. this about you, right? No, I don't believe in changing at all. Um, Once again, our experiences make us who we are. And we, I say this even with individuals that are much older, even my grandparents. I would say, you know what? This is who they've been up to 80 years who am I even try to change them now? Like, who am I? This Canadian-born kid, they brought their kid. Who am I to tell you to do this? They're going to give me the look and I'm just going to go about my business because they're not going to hear it. Um, yes, I agree with your question. Absolutely. Is the fact of asking them what they're looking for because there comes that model behavior question again. What do I need to do to match what you are looking for? In my relationship right now, I have someone, and I'm very blessed, um, who has known me in my rawest form for eight and a half years as my friend. So it's so refreshing to be able to be with someone that knows every aspect of me without having to explain any element of it. How that happened, I don't know, but I'm very grateful. Um, So for me, yes, we both have our things, but... Is does that overrule everything else? Absolutely not. Mm. Uh, the love is genuine. I am grateful that my my guy is my greatest supporter. He was the friend that said, "What are you doing? Like, wake up! Like, you have this much potential. Like, why are you not using it?" This is why I'm at where I'm at right now. Um, even now to this day, like I'll I'll still get anxious. Even here, sitting, I, I texted him before I came here. I was like, I am so anxious to yeah. do this. And he's like, Good luck, babe. You got this. And I was like, Okay, I needed to hear that because I I can do this. <laughs> yeah. Just because he texted me and said it, I can do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I am lucky. I have someone that is my greatest supporter and sees my potential, and it gives me the space that I need to work towards it. I don't. I've never heard any sense of resistance of this is what you're supposed to do. This is my expectation of you. No, it's do your school, keep going, keep thriving because that is beautiful to me. Yeah. Very rare to see. Um, It took me hitting 38 lovely years, even though I'll tell everyone I'm 28. (laughs) (laughs) Minus 10. Yeah, I I, am minus 10. Uh, That, yeah, it took me a long time, a lot of patience, a lot of experiences, a lot of being single, a lot of uh, figuring myself out, a lot of therapy, to get to where I'm at. Once again, this is why I tell everyone that I sit with is don't allow, a. I have to get married at 35. I have to have kids at 36. I have to, I, no, 
be patient because the universe acts in such amazing ways. And what is going to come to you is going to come to you in the most amazing way. Follow your journey. Stop with the fixation of, once again, our model behavior and cookie cutter expectations of this is what it's supposed to be. And this is what I'm supposed to do because this is what I saw and this is what I know. Mm -hmm. No, that's very true, right? As you were talking there, it almost reminded me of... uh can't help but give a cheesy example, mm-hmm. especially associated with age and when it's a right appropriate time for you in life to go about um, where it needs to go or how it needs to be done is, you know, like let's just picture a, a garden, right? Yeah. In the garden, there's just a, there's a huge field, like from, let's say, miles and miles left, and then it, it travels all the way out, and it's, uh, you know, seeds are being planted and every single um, let's say seed in the garden is being watered right Mm -hmm. but then if you take a look carefully over time is every single one of those seeds that you know grows into a flower grows in a tree along the whole entire um, let's say landscape of the garden you're noticing that every single flower is is growing at a different pace Mm -hmm. right but then when you think about it you recognize that okay well because everything is so spread out, yeah. some of the flowers are getting more sunshine, some aren't, right? Some are perhaps getting more water, some aren't, right? So based off of the growth trajectory of each one, this is similar to um, in design for people, is yeah. some people may have gotten more sunlight, some people haven't. Some people have seen and gone through things that others haven't. Mm-hmm. So no matter what, at the end of the day, a full life is gonna be lived. Yep. The, the life cycle of that flower growing no matter how long it takes, it's going to blossom. Absolutely. Right. So I, I, I love that you shared that because it reminded me of that where I find, again, it's the societal pressure. Absolutely. It's what you see others, you open up Facebook, mm-hmm. all of a sudden everyone's popping babies or they're popping their second or third yeah. baby, right? Or, or whatever it is, it's like, okay, that's just your brain immediately going into and it's, it's natural instinct is comparison yeah. mode, right? Oh, look what they have. What about me? It's why so many people say that studies show that scrolling aimlessly on social media is not going to make you happier. Absolutely not. Right? Um, I mean, I believe there is tons of benefits in whatever it is that you are scrolling yeah, uh, and what content you do choose to um, consume. However, it's like if you keep looking and fathoming at the thought of wishing you have what others do, yeah. okay, well then, you know, you, you're going about it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. But again, I digress. I just, I wanted to share that in knowing how unique it is that right like you 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 ensure you put yourself out there you put yourself first and the right person is gonna um, yeah you know be be your hype person social right? media can be our biggest enemy within its own essence i trust me have been debating of deleting my instagram mm. uh, but i have now decided to use it as a platform for comedic uh videos because i think it's cool to mimic <laughs> which i showed you before we started uh using my platform for what society thinks is and what should be and what we think we see with all the filters and all the things and all the surgeries and expectations of this is what realism this is what ex- expected and this is what i'm supposed to look like it breaks my heart once again that <sighs> And I really wish that celebrities would use their platforms to understand. And I understand that they have their products and things and they're supposed to do what they're supposed to do and they get paid for it. But at the same time, it would be refreshing here and there to see, hey, 
this is my reality. This is what I do. This is what I look like without a filter. I don't look like this every day. I don't have my glam squad show up every day. I don't wear designer dresses every day. You don't need to work to put yourself into debt to get that purse because I think that you have a new designer purse every day or my relationship is perfect because on Instagram, I make it look so beautiful. We are all human beings. We all go through things. We all experiencing, we all experience such unique things. So it is very difficult. I myself get suckered in sometimes. I'm just like, oh, like I wish Mm -hmm. I had this and I wish I had that. But why? I have lived a very fulfilling life. What am I upset about? Um, Do I really need to add in and get all these apps to (laughs) work for myself to look a certain way so Mm -hmm. that the next individual, would I not then in essence be mimicking what I'm upset about? So uh, it has become... (sighs) it's difficult. It's difficult. I I feel for men and women because our definition of what normal and accepted is in this time and age is extremely difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Right. This episode of the second floor podcast is brought to you by Alberta blue cross. Life as a business owner can be hectic to say the least. And Alberta blue cross understands that. They offer flexible health, dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. Even better, you can let your staff enroll and manage their coverage at any time, on any device. You've got this when it comes to group coverage for your small business, and Alberta Blue Cross has got your back. To learn more and explore your options, head over to ab.bluecross.ca. I, uh... I want to go back to a point where I think it still relates to when you're feeling this madness or you're you're running away from it. Mm-hmm. Do you find it's the whole, are you running towards something or are you running away from something? Do you know um, if that's something that you could speak on, Mithi, that you, you were personally going through? Or what um, you notice your patients rather um, from what they've done to ultimately end up, um, you know, in a, in a, in a, what's the right way of saying it? Care, care home, in jail, in like, I keep wanting to say institutionalized, but it's okay. What would be the appropriate way uh, to word that? In terms, well, it depends on what facility. Um, okay. I believe in individuals being very institutionalized. We use the term institutionalized in reference to someone that's been in the system for a, for a very long time. And that oh. is their normal. That's what they know. And that is the patterns of behavior that they will mimic because that is their normal. Okay, there you go. So, yes, it can absolutely be used in that way. Um, it doesn't, in essence, have to mean that it's only jail. Mm. It could be, once again, yes, a long-term care facility. We have in psychiatric facilities where individuals might be in for lifelong and that is the unfortunate reality. Um, there are individuals that uh, in in some way could only get to a certain point. And we know that from where they started, that that is as far as we can get. And that within ourselves is something very difficult as well as I have, I have done all this work and I put all these hours and I'm only getting up to here. Know that for this individual, the ability for them to even ask for help after being in institutions for 10 years is huge. Yeah. They're still doing everything, but the fact that, oh, hey, like they're actually 
asking for help now. That lets me know that I did something there. Mm-hmm. It, it might be so small, but it's not my job to go to work to get that sense of reward. We get reward in our own ways, but if I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do to build that sense of resiliency, then why am I doing what I do? Mm-hmm. That's a very good point. Looking for ways in which you're noticing they're improving. Yes. And they're becoming mm-hmm. a better human. For that right? validation within ourselves, yeah. It's probably very case by case, but do you feel Absolutely. like from what they've done, they're running towards something or they're... um um they're running away there's a lot of self-sabotaging that i will see because once again the catastrophizing of i don't deserve this i'm not worth this i don't feel like i should be sitting here with you because i did this oh they feel like they they feel like they don't even they don't deserve help no i did this i messed up why are you helping me Wow. Why would I not help you? It's not my job to sit here and judge you. That word alone, it is amazing how far it can carry. It's not my job. Sometimes I won't even read the case files because why? Mm. It's not my job here to judge you. It's not my job to... There will be feedback that we provide absolutely yes, and I tell them that I'm very transparent in that. There are cases where we will have individuals say, yeah, like I did this because I was off my medication and whatever. Yes, I do those. I do do those assessments. But at the end of the day, everyone deserves equal rights to healthcare. And I will make sure that I go above and beyond to ensure that every single individual, especially initially that comes in, I I will take that extra few minutes to be like, are you okay? They've never, some of them have never heard that before. So like, holy, someone just asked me that. Like, wow, I've never been asked that before. Yeah holy, like someone remembers my name. Someone asked me how my day was. Someone was not mean to me today. Little things make such a big difference. We can really be that voice in someone's life. And I've had uh, patients in the hospital say, like, if I did not have you as my nurse or if it was anyone else, I would have gone through with my suicide the second I walked out the store. It is amazing what words, extra two minutes, that sense of energy, that sense of acknowledgement can really make in someone's decision for their life. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. It just goes to show you're you're in the you're in the right field. Yeah. You know, because we need more nurses like Mithi, <laughs> right? But also it's like, damn, like they're probably wondering, like, if I got this good a treatment, I should have killed somebody a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to come dark back joke, and put but, a transfer request. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. That's a dark joke. But yeah. I mean, that aside, it just goes to show it's uh it, it's important for those who've um perhaps are gonna decide to do something that they know is not the right thing to do yeah. and they feel like it's the only choice, is that you it's not too late to get the help that you need. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh uh, I think it's it's gotten better with being able to show people that you can get the mental um, health aid that you need. There's tons of resources out there, but it's still such a work in progress. Yeah, I should add to that that uh, my 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 lovely inmates that I do work with they know that I'm not naive and they know that I will say no and they can't manipulate me. But they're grateful for my blunt transparency and the feedback that I do give them. Mm. What do you mean by blood transparency? Blunt, blunt. Uh, I use humility. I use a lot of jokes. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll poke fun at myself if they're having a bad day just to build that extra rapport for the day. So they they know. These are the patients you work with? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Like I bring my unique touch. 
Yeah, I think you know what. There's something to say about that. You bring your personality,、mm-hmm. right? Like you're not letting that.、Um, there's there's your role, there's your reputation,、yeah. but there's also the personality that makes you who you are to to be so well built for the role in the first place,、mm-hmm. right? That's something that's a reminder for anyone listening for whatever that they do, because I am guilty of this sometimes too. To this day, where it's like you. You go okay. I'm a manager, so I have to make sure I act like one.、Mm-hmm. But there might be circumstances where Kenny's personality, who Kenny is, needs to come out and shine through、yeah. before I get in the way of the commitments of what my title is insinuating me to be like. Yeah. Right.、Um, there have been moments where、uh, I've had my team be like, "Oh my God, did that just come out of your mouth? <laughs> I didn't know a manager could say that."、Yeah. I'm like, "Yeah, well, you needed to hear that、yeah. from Kenny." Right, <laughs> like there's like the, there's the personal aspect <laughs> yeah,、exactly. that needs to come out. It's、exactly. like I don't say that to everyone, or that's just maybe based off of you know a relationship I'm building with you, or、mm-hmm. just in terms of I trust you with this information. But、um, I think that takes away from the robotic element of,、um, to be honest, what I feel like we've almost built society to be like sometimes. And I say sometimes because there's not a lot of data here. There's just situations I've seen where. Someone only acts a certain way based off of what they need to be like in that、um, environment, right? So it's、yeah. like, okay,、uh, I'm a manager at work. That's the only way I need, know I need to act. Okay, I'm a jujitsu athlete in the jujitsu mats. I only need to act and talk about jujitsu.、Mm-hmm. And we almost we compartmentalize based off all the things that we're doing. We act a certain way in all those spaces, but we tend to neglect. Okay, well, I'm still the same person、yeah. going about all these different things. So how can I show more of myself?、Mm-hmm. You know, and、um, that's something I speak on on my own behalf because I've been known since I was younger to like just conform and be like who I'm around. But this is very,、uh, this is like the younger sibling syndrome,、yeah. right? Like you're around everyone that's older, so you you start to like take in little things of how everyone's acting. Eleven、so、years, be- my junior. <laughs> Yeah, so you just become that when you're around that person, yeah, right. And and I'm guilty of that, but I'm also recognizing that. Okay, now as I'm getting older, I'm like, I just work on continuously being yourself, you know. And it, it's it's again that self talk. Yeah, it's like don't say what、self-talk. they want to hear. Say what who you are, and and let the rest hold its peace, right? I can even only imagine for you having grown up as one of the youngest within all these strong personalities,、mm-hmm. what it must have been like for you. Like, oh, it's crazy.、Holy. I've gotten rotated. Yeah, <laughs> better, right? Yeah, but and Vitti knows this. Being、yeah. uh, the Radawa herself is, you know, being around、uh, our family is. No one was afraid to speak their mind,、no. especially to younger siblings. Yeah, right. So it, it developed, of course, an element of thicker skin or an element of a more looser、um, personality because it's like you know you don't take things as seriously,、mm-hmm. right? There, there's good and bad to all those things, right? I think even within that, you seeing me as the lovely scapegoat of the family must have been quite the adventure. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, right? That's funny. Yeah.、Um, I wanted to ask you、uh, something about your your patience, Mithi. That、yeah. sometimes I find there's, I like to call it the concept in our industry where the coach got coached by、mm-hmm. their athlete, where the coach got. Coached by their student to some degree. Okay. Is there anything that you've had an experience with a patient where they then change the way you went about、um, how you、um, go about your therapy? A hundred and ten percent. I tell. Wow, I have told many. 
that they have taught me more than I have taught them. For example, the Indigenous community. I am very much accustomed to grief and loss tailored to either an Indian mentality or a Canadian one. So learning about different cultures and their perceptions and understandings of the afterlife and passing and being able to adapt to that sense of understanding and open mind and incorporation into what I say and do and understand. I actually do immerse myself very much into cultures. I'm a very spiritual person. Uh, but yeah, maintaining that sense of open mind to accept humility and constructive feedback into this is what you said to me and I feel like you didn't listen to it from my perspective and my understanding. Maybe next time, like if this happens, for the next person, just maybe kind of add this. Or you know what, what you did was great, but it didn't work for me because. And I think that we should always allow that platform in place in our sessions because I've worked once again in two different provinces and being able to expand my practice to what is not a cookie cutter, is not scripted, is adaptable to f- not fit, but to work with what what the individual needs from me without telling them what to do mm. if that helps i really like that just yeah. the, those questions that you would ask yeah. because sometimes there's solutions you would give that may not have worked yeah right or there's um just allows them to yeah be able to give um the the, the freedom of being able to navigate their own path the mm-hmm. way they wish to yeah and then you being there to um, facilitate that. Yeah. Right. Uh, something that I even noticed my therapist said that I appreciated was she's like, she's like, I am going to, uh, maybe I couldn't tell at the time if, of course, it's my first therapist, yeah. right? So I couldn't tell if it was something that just gets done anyway or if it's mm-hmm. her thing, but I like it. She brings out her personality and she's like, there's going to be moments where I'm going to be, um, assuming it's the way you are or uh, assuming it's what's happening with the detail you're sharing with me. And she's like, stop me in my tracks if I'm not accurate. Yeah, She's like, cause I might have an idea, Mm -hmm. but if there's any point where it's like, no, that's not how it is, then Mm -hmm. just cut me off and be able to share that. And I like that because that's just those added disclaimers. Absolutely. Right. Is it's allowing your client, your student, your um, whoever it is in this uh, exchange to be able to have a say. Yeah. Right. And I think a lot of times is especially if someone is controlling yeah. <laughs> and it, whatever it is they're doing, they, they let that level of control overpower um, the customization and the ability to make sure that what you're delivering is what this person wants and needs. Right? That's one a very key piece. And even when, and I stress this to everyone listening, if you feel like the rapport and therapeutic building uh, relationship that you are developing with your therapist is not, there's a difference between seeking that sense of validation and outreach, but like not helping you in terms of growth and what you're kind of wanting in terms of goals. Know that there are multiple individuals out there that can And you're allowed to switch and you're allowed to find someone else until it works for you. It's very much like picking a pizza flavor. I thought I liked pepperoni, but I think I like Hawaiian better. You have to really allow yourself that space to find the fit that's going to work for you and your growth for what you need. 
I, I admire your therapist for creating that space to call you out because that is so important. We need to allow that space to happen because once again, that's me discounting and could re-trigger what you're telling me because I'm not listening to what you're saying. I heard a bit of what you said. I already have my answer ready. What kind of therapy is that? Mm-hmm. I, I'm doing you a disservice, but I'm taking your money. That is not the way that it should be. Yeah, but it's so true. That's why I, even the way you put that, it gives me all the more respect for those who are in the field mm-hmm. because no matter how much more cases you have and how many more years of experience you have, everyone's so unique. What yeah. they've gone through is is not the same as perhaps someone else that's gone through the same thing because yeah. there's just so many other variables. There's this completely different person and personality yeah. there, right? It's unique. I, uh, I'll share with you this, and it's kind of funny um, because I'm sure so many other people relate, is you know, you and I talking about normalizing uh, mental health and it be mm-hmm. becoming more prevalent. I find even this conversation, like you and me yeah. as cousins having it, it's a great uh, example of like being able to sit down with a family member and talk about mental health mm-hmm. is uh, speaking of, we we add one family member and I, I'm not going <laughs> to disclose them. I could share this with you after, but yeah. um, I had a conversation with them and I was like, you know what? You would also benefit from therapy, right? <laughs> I was like, you should just do it. Yeah. And then they're like, Oh, nothing's wrong with me though, right? Like there that we was, go. There that we was, go. <laughs> that was the answer, right? So here's the thing, right? Is I will argue that if right now in life, mm-hmm. sure, nothing's wrong with you. Like you're happy, you're, uh, things are going your way, whatever it is. I would say for anyone out there, gift yourself or gift a loved one that feels that way a session. Absolutely. And, and, and go ahead. Like, what do you have to lose? What are you afraid of? Uh, do it and not tell anyone if you're so worried about what will people think. But uh, why I wanted to bring this up is, you know, what would um, what would your take be on that, Mithi, when someone says that you should only go to therapy if something is genuinely bothering you right now or if you're going through a rut? Can someone who, let's just say, mental health is strong yeah. benefit from going to therapy? So this... Once again, often very common. I have individuals in my life, like I have a lot of friends that do call me for therapy. And I do stress the fact that I can take you up to here, but you need someone who's neutral and not biased towards your situation to help carry you further. Oh, wow. I'm going to tell you what you need to hear, but I cannot take you all the way. Second step, the individual. And that's just based off of knowing you? Oh like yeah, that's just like oh, there's. Too, I, I, I get a lot of much. calls. Trust me, I Fair. and I say this. I do scriptedly say the same thing, but <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, and the second step also is individuals and their perception and insight and understanding and readiness to get to that stage. There's we call them our stages, um, and knowing that this is the readiness state they're at. They're still in contemplation. They're stuck there. It's like quitting smoking. I'm ready to quit smoking right now, but then tomorrow they smoke another pack. Like you're mentioning, I believe the trans theoretical yeah, model of change. You have right? to allow the individual the space when they're ready. Absolutely, plant the seeds. I'm all for planting the seeds, but yeah, it's for some. Once again, stigma. There's nothing wrong with me. What is? Whoa, so I was upset. I was just angry. Okay, but where is that anger coming from? what stemmed it, what might potentially be the cause of it, and when did that anger really start? What triggered it to bring it on? So there's a lot of depth to that that would also need to be explored. Um, And also, 
vulnerability is a huge thing, especially I think for Indian men, is admitting that I feel upset. I feel pain. I want to cry because even as a girl that grew up in a predominantly male family, it was just suck it up. You're going to be okay. And off I went to play sports, you know, <laughs> like that was mm-hmm. it. We, we grew, we all played sports. We didn't have that, uh, sense of platform to express feelings earlier on when I feel like it should have been there. So I could, I'm only wondering, I'm going to ask you which individual this is after, but uh, to explore further, uh, <laughs> older sister, <laughs> Indian thing. Yeah, yeah I, was like, I need to know. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, yeah, the first step, yes. Am I ready? Uh, who am I sharing this information with? I need someone that doesn't know me, doesn't know anything. Like it's just a completely ne- neutral person so I can hear that genuine perspective. And am I ready to receive this? Because a lot of the time, it's like peeling a banana where I sometimes think that, oh, this person's ready for treatment because I think they're ready for treatment. I might have peeled all these layers of bananas and here we go. They are exposed, vulnerable, and I leave the room. Can you imagine what that individual is going through? It's, it is very uncomfortable. So there's a lot of elements to be mindful of it, even in therapy itself is if I start this, there needs to be some sense of continuation and follow-up because you're going to feel very vulnerable and very exposed and it's going to be very new and it's going to be uncomfortable and having things in place to understand it and deal with it in a healthy way because I could start a session with someone and they could go use and even overdose just because of what conversation I had. There's a lot of liability there. Mm. Uh, So always being mindful of that is, yes, the work is great. Yes, the outreach is great, but also there's elements we always, always, always need to be cautious and mindful of. Yeah, wow, that's such a good point. I'm really glad you brought that up because just because we think a loved one's ready, yeah. no matter what they say, yes. um, you know, it's up to them ultimately yeah. to make that first step. And just knowing that revisiting these conversations, revisiting how they feel about them, it's like going through it all over again, yeah. right? So it's like no wonder why one person needs the time. But, mm-hmm. you know, if anyone is listening to this and you're in that stage, you know, like take it from me. It took me honestly like... I would say just about over a year where I was constantly thinking it would be good for me, but I had the mentality one would about not getting a personal trainer Mm -hmm. about mental therapy was let me do this on my own first. Let me do this on my own first. But to be honest, either way, are you, is your training going to improve and, and, and get that much better with a trainer or without one? Or with a trainer is is your mental health gonna improve with the therapist and like you said the right therapist find yes. the right one for you yeah. and i'm so blessed mithy there's like actual apps on there now yeah. like there's this app called layla where it actually breaks down who would be the best fit for you oh, wow. and what you're 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 going through so they have like a go-to account executive that talks to you and says hey based off what you shared with me and what solutions you're looking for and how you want to navigate your mental health I've given you two to three people. Okay. Right. Here's your options. Here's who they are. But it's great. I didn't it's know like, they existed. That's amazing. Yeah. You. You. Pe- people can have access to this now. So for someone like me, you know, I. I was worried. I was like, who would I talk to? I need this person to have relatability. I need them to be Punjabi. Like, mm-hmm. I wanted all these things in mind. But that's there now. And you know, for anyone listening, if you 
are ready to make that step, I would say that, you know, do it knowing that it's gonna, you're gonna gain clarity naturally through talking to someone for the first time Mm -hmm. who, um, I love how you even mentioned, Mithi, that you wouldn't because it relates to what I'm gonna say is they'd have no bias or would have no idea who anyone is in your life. So you're able to share things very, first of all, very, very openly. And second of all, the person who you normally go to, like your friend, Mm -hmm. they, without even you realizing it, they have this this bias towards these other people in your life, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I think I think that's another thing to mention about therapy is the fact that they only know your family and friends yep. and people in your life based off how you describe them, absolutely, and and how you talk about them, right? It's like you ever talk to a friend about how you feel about another friend or whatever, and they're like, "Yo, like yeah. that's just the way they are." That's like, <laughs> what it is. But it's like, oh no, but you have to understand how it's made me feel, to me. <laughs> right? So I think again, that's the really unique aspect of uh, of therapy because it's, yeah. it's unbiased, right? Yeah. I also do stress that never put a timeline on healing as well. Like, for example, I said I went to my doctor for a few years. I did intense therapy for two years. I also did EMDR. Um, It's a very trauma-focused therapy. So allow yourself the dedication and the time and the patience and know that it doesn't have to be done overnight. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be done in a week. It doesn't have to be done in a year. It could take years. It, mm-hmm. it, everyone is so different and never discount your trauma compared to another person's because our experiences and our exposure is all interpreted in different ways within ourselves because of our environments. My ability to adapt will be different than the next individual's because of my environment and what I grew up in versus another's. So don't put that pressure and label and criteria within yourself because everyone's feelings and emotions are valid. Yeah, it's so true. I uh, that's a very good point. I'm so glad you said that because th- there should be no timeline. Mm-hmm. Everyone's uh, like you just so perfectly said is is on their own journey. Yeah, you know that actually. Uh, it's crazy you say that when you know not to compare your trauma to others. I'll give you a story of someone I know in my life that when they told me this, I first of all my heart really went out for them. But then there's just so many layers to this situation. Um, so they're just currently navigating their, um, breakup with someone and it's most likely a breakup from what it seems. And something that really hurt them was, um, they personally have gone through uh, their own trauma, right? Mm -hmm. A little bit of neglect, a little bit of, I'd say emotional neglect from their father. Okay. Right. And, um, then who they're with, who they're potentially breaking up with soon. Um, that person is uh, also has gone through his own um, trauma with his parents, right? Uh, emotional neglect, not there from his dad. So that's something that they related to. Uh, mother was an alcoholic. So it was those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, mother passed away. So this guy, he ended up having um, this new person come into his life okay and he told her very clearly like um he told her listen i'm just about to get out of relationship i'm just trying to figure out myself she's like that's completely cool and she goes i just want to let you know that like just you being in my life is like means a lot he's like okay she's like i've gone through a lot of tough stuff and she mentioned sexual abuse Mm -hmm. so he immediately 
um, was like, okay, wow, like you've gone through a lot. Yeah. I need to be there for you. Okay. So now with who I'm speaking to you of, who I know, she goes up to him and was like, hey, so like, you know, how are things going? This and that. Like, let's figure out our relationship. Yeah. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, let's make sure we figure that out. But by the way, that person I told you about, she's just going to be friends with me. She's going to be in my life. Okay. And she's just gone through a lot. And and then who I know, mm-hmm. she says, okay, well, interesting that you want to keep her, but whatever. But then the way he put it, this is what he said. Okay. He said, listen, I know you've gone through what you've gone through, mm-hmm. but her trauma is far worse. So he used that wording, oh, he right? He said, yeah, exactly. He compared traumas. Okay. So that was very triggering for her, first mm-hmm. of all. But second of all, she brought a good point to me because this is the other end of it okay. is aside from trauma comparison, like I think we're all aware that you don't want to do that. <laughs> like, bro, you effed up, like you know. But the second aspect of this is, he is actually consistently looking for someone to save. There, and that's so common. she was like, "Oh my God, Kenny!" Like she's like, "This is not stopping." He's trying to save his neglectful father. Okay. He's not trying to pull that away. Now he's look like the next person he found on the street. All of a sudden, he's like, "I need to be there for her." It's like you just met this woman. Yeah. Like, what do you mean you need to be there that for oh, well, what she's gone through? Her trauma is far worse. You don't get it. Yeah. And so she was just like, how do I deal with this? And I was like, damn. Once again, the trauma bonding. He is, I'm going to give feedback from a therapist perspective here. Um, He is, and we will see this. So this is so common, especially in Indian, within our Indian community. We will see this once again. It is that sense of emotional addiction where, or that sense of deflecting and whatever, which way I can word this is I'm going to distract myself and be your hero because my issues are not enough, nor am I ready to deal with them, but they will help you. And I think that maybe it can help me bandage what I've gone through. We with sexual abuse, especially even you see it is individuals go into a very promiscuous type lifestyle or they'll go into that natural nurturer lifestyle. So depending on his full story and whatever else, but yeah, you will see that hero mentality is I will continue to save everyone. I will continue to distract myself. I will continue to follow that addiction to chaos just so that I don't have to deal with what's going on with me because Mm -hmm. this way I feel good about myself because I help someone else and I'll keep bandaging what I'm going through. But at the same time, being mindful that maybe the emotional patterns, behavioral patterns that you're bringing into these relationships are going to show and display things that you have gone through that you have not dealt with in their own manner as well. Are they always negative? No, but will we see them? Yes. If they go to the wrong person, can that be dangerous? Yes. Mm, yeah, wow. That's a very good point, right? It's just knowing how much it's just covering up what oh, you're yeah. going through right Layers. now. And in fact, it's like your own your own medication yeah. at that point, right? The avoidance strategy. Absolutely. I want to ask one more thing, Mithi, that, uh, you know, before we close up is, you know, when someone is embarking on a new relationship and they've gone through things, mm-hmm. you know, 
I know there's no right way or wrong way about going about this, but I, I'm sure I could speak on behalf of other people that might um, not know what the right thing is to do, wrong thing is to do, rather just having some sense of clarity from a therapist's perspective is, you know, I think there's that opportunity cost one might uh, factor in here where it's like they meet someone new and they either continue to f- navigate if this person is worth continuously seeing and mm-hmm. perhaps building a life with in the future, um, you know, even just the, let's just consider being in a relationship with them. So when they're thinking about that, I mean, what is the appropriate way of being able to be like, hey, let me, let's sit down. Let me just tell you about all the shit I've gone through. <laughs> is it like, you know, if that person would prefer, yeah, tell me when you're ready all at yeah. once and, and knowing, um, you know, what you've gone through, what you've done in your life, is it best to just, you share them, you share that with them when you're most comfortable or is there something you would, um, let's say, uh, advise one on in in going about this conversation with someone, you know? It's the baggage conversations. Yeah, it's the baggage (laughs) conversations, right? So I feel like this has very much become a generational thing because individuals my age i feel like we when we deal with stress we go into turtle mode and we isolate because we don't know how to verbalize it i don't know all the dating apps guys sorry i'm old (laughs) the dating apps that your generation uses which i don't understand um is things are very accessible and the platform and the time with this speed dating lifestyle doesn't create the space that you need Because even if you did and you finally had the ability to and strength to share it, dating has become and has been made to feel like individuals are very disposable. So can you imagine, once again, I finally am connecting with this guy. He has said all the right things. And I at at our second dinner date, I don't know, whatever third or whatever you guys do with the swiping, decide to finally share, hey, like this is who I am. This is who I've been through. These are things that you might potentially see within me because this is what I've been through. That might be enough for someone to be like, I'm what is it ghosting yeah yeah it's like okay wow thanks for wow that's a lot i'm out we should do this again sometime and then you're blocked and all the fun things yeah um it sucks like it's like what effect is having more of a stronger relationship it's so hard this is why i believe in the old school way but um yeah it's tough it's it's really really tough and once again you see things on tiktok and all the things and Sometimes it's cool because, yeah, I feel all these things and like my group embraces it. But like, what if you met that one person that's like, oh, whoa, what are you talking about? I don't know what this is. Mm-hmm. This is not normal to me. I didn't, I wasn't exposed to this. What is this? How do I even start with this? Patience, key, open mind, key. Uh, that non biased mentality, key. Can I tell someone what to do? No. It is going to be a very hard. Oh, it would be tough, I feel like, with just like every, like all the individuals you see online to finally find that person to be able to reciprocate what you're saying and give you that space and see the worth within that, that interaction to know, you know what, I hear you and what you're saying is valid. And I believe in this enough to want to work on this with you because I don't have two, three dates after this. (laughs) Let's keep it what it is. So it is 
so hard and I really want to acknowledge the strength within this new generation of what you guys have to deal with. It's it's really hard because I do hear the things and I, 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 you know, like I said, I, I don't know all the apps and how it works, but like it is so much harder now. It is so much harder. For one to feel uh, yeah. disposable yeah. Uh, and for one to like your your last week's news yeah right or like or you you were then it's crazy and for yeah. some people who go on the apps often it's mm-hmm. very much so like oh, i'm just going on so i could just get a little bit of attention exactly. and then i'm off of it right like i've, I've heard that i need that and, validation yeah and it's like there's just the, the whole concept of yeah there's just too many options now to get that instant gratification Absolutely. That, that feeling of oh i exist hit the nail on it right someone yeah. someone notices me great mm-hmm. that's all i needed Right. And, and yeah, then to some degree, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. There's people I know that got married through Tinder. There we go. Right. And it's like, okay, that's beautiful. Then the, the, there's the one in the, <laughs> the one in the million that are on <laughs> yes. there. But yeah, I mean, to some, to some degree, right. The global pandemic, the, yeah. the generation in which we're in, where we're, yeah. we're less likely to just approach a stranger, you mm-hmm. know, like all those things in mind. Um, hopefully we can recognize that, you know, human interaction and human connection, um, can still naturally happen organically. Absolutely. You know, and it's just, uh, it's just, a, it's, it's kind of funny. It's like this <laughs> on this topic in a, to a degree to wrap up is I talked about it with a buddy of mine and he's like, well, he's like, I'm struggling with knowing if this person likes me or not. And I'm mm. like, well, it's like I went on a date want to go on another one i was like well if i'm being honest with you when, when you kind of know it you know it it's yeah. like you know but that's, either, yeah. that's what you call a connection mm-hmm. right if like yeah Central. there's gonna be some moments where you might like someone someone doesn't yeah and, but if you're having to question it then maybe move on mm-hmm. or at least just ask yeah right like maybe you, you got to be vulnerable enough to ask yeah you know so um honestly mithy this was a great conversation yeah, right this was you. uh you know we got a lot out of each other it was a great way to connect too i appreciate yeah. you know you being vulnerable and you sharing even just uh your own insights on you know what you do professionally i'm very excited to one day be able to call you dr mithi randawa i'm so excited <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be happening but um you know for those that perhaps if, if you're willing uh want to connect with you personally yeah want to learn more perhaps seek any element of mentorship or any element of uh, just being able to connect with you and follow your story yeah um is there anywhere you can share where people can follow you or people can uh, connect yeah. with you to learn more about you absolutely uh here comes the social media <laughs> <laughs> and we laugh about that because with these like no family allowed to family, follow me <laughs> no family's allowed to follow me uh yes you can um absolutely inbox me for any mental health outreach um underscore m i i t t i i or email me at mithi here at hotmail.com that's m i t i h e r e at hotmail.com i'm always here to help individuals um i think i've been able to share my open mind in full detail here please never hesitate if it just happens to be that you are in that moment and you don't know where to reach out to know that i am here for you there you go that is awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Mithi here <laughs> at hotmail.ca, right? But uh, no, if uh, if anyone, you know, has, has been listening and you feel like, 
you know, a family member of yours or a loved one would, would benefit a lot from listening to this, then uh, please share it to them. Uh, you know, share this on social media, like and review us on all uh, platforms. And, uh, you know, this has been another special episode on uh, ground shaking mental health tips. And it's been great to have uh, my own blood be able to give us some good insight. So uh, hopefully you all appreciated this and we'll see you on the next one. That's a wrap. Thank you, Vicky. Yeah.